Turtleback Golf Course. It is the Rice Lake Celebrity Golf Classic. The golfers are now heading to their carts. The celebrities have been introduced. The clouds are, uh, well, they're around. The wind is pretty strong, but uh, which makes the course challenging. But it's scrambleable and a few parts of blue skies, and it's supposed to clear up and be a beautiful day. So, uh, And for an incredible event here for the uh, 2022 Rice Lake Celebrity Charity Golf Classic. And uh, thanks to Tom Kozer and company for bringing us up here. Um, let's do this. Uh, let's get to uh, our good friend, uh, the voice of the Green Bay Packers, Wayne Larrabee, joining us uh, on the hotline. Wayne, how you doing, man? I am surprised you're not here, pal. Yeah, well, injury this year. I can't play. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, that snow skiing will get in the way of your golf game, golf. won't it? Yeah, it does. Especially a back injury. Um, yes. Uh, so, first of all, well, how are you doing? Let me ask you that. Uh, aside from that, I'm doing fine, you know, but uh, it's, <laughs> we're ready uh, to get to the off season here now that the OTAs are wrapping up this week. And uh, then it'll be about a, what, four, five, six week period before training camp gets underway. We'll really see what the Packers have. Uh, I was asked this the other day, so I'm going to ask you because you've got a lot more experience in it working with so many different franchises. With all the different franchises you've been through, the OTAs, the off-season workouts, the off-season mini camps, all that kind of stuff, what do you get out of it? What do you sense teams get out of that? Well, Bill, it's changed dramatically uh, and fairly recently, too, over the last four or five years with the new collective bargaining agreement and even before that, um, where the lack of contact in practice um, and, you know, in these OTAs, the regulations that are in place, um, you know, there's not a whole lot you can see uh, because, again, they're not, they're wearing helmets and then they're wearing basically, uh, you know, just a jersey and and a pair of shorts. So uh, you don't get to see a lot of football stuff, but what you can see, what I asked Matt LaFleur this the other day, you know, what, what can you evaluate out of this? And you can see how, people run you can see how receivers run routes they can see their hands you can see defensive backs and how they cover um you can't see much else than that aside from linebackers maybe and how they run in coverage but the rest of it bill if you're trying to make an evaluation of an offensive lineman or defensive lineman or a linebacker you really can't until the pads come on and they start hitting each other now that you've got a chance to see some of these guys up close and personal, I know that on paper, defensively speaking, you know, the Quay Walkers of the world and such, they look really good. Uh, what do you expect out of this defense? Now, we haven't seen a snap, and I get it, but what are you kind of expecting out of this defense this year? Well, I mean, you know, the bar has been set quite high uh, by people, and, and again, I'm in the process of doing a lot of my research, so I'm going through a lot of these ratings and magazines and that type of thing and, and everybody seems to be stoked about the Packers defense and and you know with good reason they added to it in the offseason uh, looks like they took care of a couple of holes that they had and the most importantly they retained the people they needed to Devondre Campbell, Rasul Douglas they re-signed um, Jair Alexander to a big contract that kind of thing so there's a lot of uh, hope that this is going to be a legitimate top 10 defense in all regards, and that would be the best defense they've had since the Super Bowl year 2010. Um, but, no, from what I've seen, Bill, and, and, again, you know, Quay Walker, what can you see about him? Well, he's a linebacker, but you can see the fact that he can cover ground. The kid can run. Now, you know, uh, Devontae Wyatt, very quiet. You know, you don't see a lot of him. He's a defensive lineman, so you're not going to get much out of these practices. But certainly uh, Christian Watson can run, and, and I'll tell you what, um, when you look out there on the practice field, 
and you watch these receivers. Samari Toure, for a seventh-round draft choice, uh, has a great deal of polish. And then Romeo Dubs, um, you know, at wide receiver, wearing number 87, familiar Jordy Nelson number. Uh, they both look really good in terms of catching the ball, running routes, getting behind people. Um, they, they look like they're going to be uh, factors this season. Wayne, one of the knocks on Christian Watson is the concentration, the fact that at times he does get a case of the drops. Is that one of those things that NFL guys feel they can correct? Yeah, you know, and again, uh, I'll go to this example. Uh, your hometown team, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, Jamar Chase, much higher draft choice um, than was Watson. And at the end of training camp last summer, the Bengals didn't know they could throw the football to the kid. Uh, he had the drops so bad in training camp. And he went on to have maybe the best rookie year of any receiver in, in the history of the game. So, uh, no, there is no question. He's got big hands. Uh, there's, there's no doubt he's a conscientious kid. And, you know, he's had a couple of drops, but they all drop the ball a little bit in practice. And, and we've seen a little bit of that in, in these OTA practices and minicamp. But the last two weeks, Bill, I, I did not see him drop a pass in the last couple of weeks of, of these OTAs and minicamps. So uh, he's got all the uh, gifts you look for in a great receiver, and I think he's going to be a very good one. Now, the thing about him we have to be patient with, physically he has not grown into his frame yet. Um, so, again, this rookie year, can he be handled at the line of scrimmage by the more physical defensive backs he's going to see on this level of football? That's something to keep an eye on. But I'll tell you what, he has all the ability in the world, and he's going to get his chances. There's no doubt about that. The guy that we don't talk a lot about, Sammy Watkins, I mean, he can he kind of sounds like a guy that he's on a mission to prove something. Uh, he wants to prove something with a quarterback of, of Aaron Rodgers' ilk because he believes he can get a lot of passes into a tight window and become a factor. Talk about a little bit about Sammy Watkins and, and kind of what he brings to the table because between Dubs and Watkins and Watson, they're going to have to catch about, you know, God, almost 120 passes, 130 passes between them and get to maybe almost 2,000 yards between those guys. Well, you know, last week in the mini camp where you had all the veterans and everybody in, in camp, um, Watkins stood out like a sore thumb. I mean, he was catching everything, Bill. Uh, I wrote down a note on my uh, uh, roster said professional pass catcher because that's exactly what he looked like. Ran great routes. Looks like he's in great shape. Um, you know, if he can stay healthy, and that's a big if. But if he stays healthy, Bill, he's going to have a nice year. There's no question about that. He stood out. And the other kid that jumped out at me was Amari Rogers. Um, much different look for this kid in his second year now. Uh, he physically looks leaner and stronger. Uh, he's, you can tell by the way he's moving on the field. He has a lot more confidence. I think it's going to be interesting to watch him play. Uh, I think he is ready to take a, a big jump in his second year. Third-round draft choice, you know he has ability. You don't get drafted in the third round unless you have ability. Uh, can he put it all together? That's what we're looking forward to seeing, and it's uh, certainly the early signs are good. Talking with Wayne Larravee, the voice of the Green Bay Packers, joining us here today on the hotline. Um, the offensive line, they have not come out and said, David Bakhtiari, no, he's great, he's fine, he's ready to go. You know, they haven't said that. How much do we read into he'll be ready, we expect him to be ready, and all that kind of stuff? Or do you still have just a little bit of trepidation that the, the big left tackle for the Green Bay Packers may or may not be ready for training camp? Well, it's funny because we in the media were talking about this the other day. Um, you know, when Matt LaFleur was asked about David Bakhtiari, he said, hopefully he'll be ready for training camp. And the word hopefully put a lot of trepidation into everybody's thought process. 
I, I get. I think they're just being conservative with him, and and hopefully everything will be fine. But again, until we see him on the field, till it goes through the uh, practices for a week or more, um, that knee responds. Uh, you just don't know, and and you hope everything's going to be fine. And and I think it will be, Bill. They, you know, he'll be 20 months out from. Uh, that surgery when we get to the regular season and that's really what they're all pointing toward but between now and then uh, we haven't seen him in pads we haven't seen him on the field since the Detroit game last year the the rookies Sean Ryan and Zach Tom both guys come with a lot of accolades if if let's just say god forbid David Bakhtiari can't go and Yash Nyman is going to be over there at the left tackle position does Zach Tom does he become the incumbent at the right tackle position Wayne well, it'll be interesting. I think this Sean Ryan kid, um, you know, he projects as a guard at this level because he doesn't have the longest arms. But Bulaga didn't have the longest arms either, and he was a very capable uh, right tackle for many years. I think this kid can play guard or tackle. Ryan, uh, Sean Ryan, the kid out of UCLA, Bill, um, boy, what a powerful lower body. There is nobody with a better lower body than this guy in that offensive line. Uh, looks like he can anchor real well. I can't wait to see him in pads. Um, this is a guy that I think gives this line what they typically have, and that is players who can be very versatile. As far as Zach Tom, I haven't seen really much of anything in there. I mean, nothing bad, nothing. I haven't seen anything that jumps out at me. But, again, we're we're trying to make a, uh, a prediction of what offensive linemen might be, and you can't tell in these OTAs and minicamps until they put pads on, until they start going through some of the physical drills, uh, pad on pad, you're not going to know about offensive linemen or linebackers or defensive linemen. What about the tight end position? You get the old Wiley veteran that is Mercedes Lewis, and he can he can block, he can move the sticks. He's not much of a pass catcher way downfield, but he's a guy that can pick you up a first down and kind of keep the drive alive. And then you've got the Swiss Army knife, Josiah DeGuari. You still have Dominic Daphne. What is that tight end position? What does that depth look like? Well, you know, it started uh, the night of the draft um, when Brian Gutekunst may have been after the draft. He said, you know, we think we have something in this Tyler Davis. Um, he'll be going into his third year out of Georgia Tech. Uh, didn't play a whole lot last year. Got on the field for some special teams. Has a lot of the same qualities, uh, including being a quarterback at his background, that Robert Tunyon has. Um, you know, to be honest with you, he, he does look like uh, – kind of a knockoff of Robert Tunyon. He's looked very good in these drills, running routes, catching the ball, that kind of thing. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, they have something in this kid. But I know both uh, Gutekunst and LaFleur are looking forward to seeing this guy play this summer. The uh, when, Talking about Matt LaFleur, I, I was talking uh, actually with our friend Paul Allen up in uh, Minnesota, and he asked how the offense is going to look with the loss of Devontae Adams. The one thing I did notice – is that uh, Matt LaFleur's talked a lot about schematics and certain things, and he's given us a little bit of an insight. But this year I think it's probably the most incumbent upon him, strategies, scheming, and Aaron Rodgers in execution because you just don't have that security blanket in Devontae Adams laying there anymore. Do you see it that way? Yeah, very much so. And I think that we're going to find out a lot about the kind of scheme um, that Matt LaFleur is looking to run. We're going to see maybe more of a – uh, basic Matt LaFleur type of scheme because, you know, as Aaron Rodgers has said, there are two different offenses. There's the Matt LaFleur offense, and then there's the offense that Rodgers runs during the game. So I think we're going to see a little bit more of the Matt LaFleur offense this year. We have to uh, to accommodate um, the losses that we've seen on that offense. And, you know, Bill, I think you'll see them spread the ball around more. 
Um, one of the things to keep an eye on are pressures. Uh, Rodgers performed, according to Pro Football Focus, he struggled under pressure last year, wasn't under pressure a lot. Why? Well, it wasn't necessarily the offensive line was dominant. They were not. They were good but not dominant. Um, the, he, Rogers wasn't under pressure a whole lot because he had a receiver who could get open at the top of his route. I mean, like immediately. And that was Devontae Adams. So this year, he doesn't have Devontae. And therefore, I think you know, pressure numbers is going to be very important for the Packers. And they want to stay out of pressure situations, which means they'll go to the quick hitting, shorter passing game. Certainly, Watkins has had that ability in the past. I think uh, Christian Watson is a guy who can do that. Um, you know, uh, it, it looks to me like Romeo Dobbs. I think you're going to see a lot of that. You also see the running backs involved in the passing game as receivers more. And they were involved quite a bit last year. But even more this year, it'd be an emphasis on that. So uh, those are the things that I think they'll do to compensate for the loss of uh, Devontae Evans. Wayne, last question, and that is uh, the one thing that uh, we, we saw so weak uh, of the last uh, week that the Packers played, and that was the special teams. So how much better, just by the presence of Basaccia, do they get? Well, you know, I think that, that'll help. Uh, there's no doubt we've seen a difference uh, in that regard. But I think the other factor is uh, the players that will be committed to special teams. From what we've seen in some of the drills, especially last week, we're going to see more starters out there. We're going to see the commitment by the organization to uh, players on this roster, maybe on the roster solely because uh, they play special teams well. So good special teams requires that uh, the franchise itself, meaning uh, the personnel department, make a commitment in terms of personnel. Uh, you know, you, you kind of shorten your bench a little bit because you've got guys who may not be very good on offense or defense, but they're terrific special teams players, and you want them on the field when you're kicking. And so there's going to be some of that. I think you're going to see, you know, a couple of roster spots uh, where people get that kind of, uh, uh, you know, attention and where people are on the roster because they're really good special teams players. And that's where it really begins. Basaccia, he will do a great job with the X's and O's. There's no question about that and the motivation. Uh, but I think you're going to see starters, uh, more starters out there. And you're going to see guys who make this roster because they can play special teams. Wayne, pleasure as always, pal. Get uh, get healthy, feel better, and then get back out on the links. We'll see you soon, okay? All right. Take care, Bill. Give Tom right, buddy. my best. Absolutely, I will. There you go. Wayne Larrabee, the voice of the Green Bay Packers, joining us for a couple of minutes on the holiday. Yeah, Wayne, uh, Wayne went down in a skiing accident, uh, as a matter of fact. And I had kind of forgotten about that when I didn't see his name on the list here. And then when we get we got ready to go, to go to him via the interview, I realized I was like, that's right, he can't, he can't golf. Kind of, kind of torched himself up a little bit doing some skiing. So that's the reason Wayne is not here at the Rice Lake Celebrity Golf Outing. We are broadcasting live. We're at Turtleback. We are here in Rice Lake, and the, the golfers are now on the golf course, and everybody's getting ready to get underway. If they haven't gotten underway already, as a matter of fact, I know they have because I can see down one of the fairways where they're halfway through the fairway already. So the tournament's underway, and we're just kind of enjoying ourselves here in the 19th hole. Uh, stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Hey, hey, hey. 
Welcome back. Glad to have you. Bill Michael Show. We are broadcasting live. We're here in Rice Lake, Wisconsin. Compliments of our uh, friends. Uh, Tom Kozer, the radio group up here. Tomorrow we're going to be at Link Ford. Uh, if you want to uh, stop by and say hello here in Rice Lake, going to be hanging out there doing the show tomorrow before heading back uh, to the Milwaukee area. Going to be uh, back in Milwaukee and tomorrow, or excuse me, on uh, Saturday, our friends at Boondocks, Boondocks Barbecue uh, Beer and Brews, uh, Burgers and Brews, I should say. Um, they have got their motorcycle ride coming up on Saturday. So if you uh, are not doing anything, maybe a ride, you want to come on out and uh, do something good, be a fantastic, fun time, come on by and say hello because we're going to uh, be riding in that. It starts at Wisconsin Harley-Davidson on Saturday morning, and uh, then it ends up over at Boondocks where they're going to have uh, bands. Uh, Breaking Cadence is going to be playing. They're going to have a big buffet, a lot of obviously barbecue and such. Uh, but they do it. It's a great cause. It's a third annual charity ride, Wisconsin Hero Outdoors. Uh, starts at Wisconsin Harley-Davidson, goes to Knucklehead Pub, Papa Stash. And then it's got the uh, Wisconsin Hero Meet and Greet. Uh, and then the post-ride barbecue, the fundraiser. Uh, they're going to have all kinds of good stuff. And like I mentioned, Breaking Cadence is the band, the attraction. Uh, Kickstands up at 1130 a.m., $25 bucks a person. That is, again, this Saturday, Wisconsin Harley-Davidson. And then it ends up at Boondocks barbecue and brews out there on county road k in oconomowoc and i will be there front and center i'm really looking for, and it looks like it appears anyway that the weather should be pretty good this weekend too so looking forward to that i believe it'll be a little bit cool on saturday and then we get back into the heat but uh, i'll take it i'll take it not a bad way to go uh 877-867-1670 877-867-1670 if you want to hit us up feel free Again, 877-867-1670. Find us. Be good to go. Have at it. Uh, this one's from uh, Mac. Mac says, uh, talking about Craig Council being the best manager in Brewers history, I think he is. For all the challenges he has he has faced, not having an all-star lineup consistently, being able to manipulate the numbers, I think Craig Council is by far the best manager in Brewers history. And then he's got in parentheses, this is not be- me being a prisoner of the moment. Um, I, like I said, I, I would agree for all. And again, great reasoning when you talk about not having the all-stars, not having this unbelievable lineup, not having Bambi's bombers. You don't have Robin and Paul and Gorman and Cecil. And, you, you know, you don't have all those guys in your lineup for what you've been able to do. Certainly. But you've had a struggling Christian Yelich, an aging Ryan Braun, an aging Lorenzo Cain. You've piecemealed it together with some of the pieces that David Stearns brought in and Urias and Adamas and Wong. And you've piecemealed it together with a first baseman, a Rowdy Telez, and guys over the years. You know, granted, you go back a few years and they've had some quality talent at certain positions, but it hasn't been top to bottom, you know? Top to bottom. So uh, when you look at what Craig Council's had to work with, the uh, the wins that he has gotten, the way the pitching staff's been manipulated, the fact that they're using almost, I think it's uh, like 60-plus roster players almost a year. If, I, if I'm – I think that's correct. Ben, is that a, a correct statistic, Do you know off the top of your head? No, I have the to way check. They, okay, they, the way they've used players, uh, they, they pretty much used the, almost their entire 40-man roster. Uh, and because of injuries and the way they like to send guys down, they like players with options. 
you know. So if you've got a stretch where you're going to need some extra pitchers, they'll manipulate the, the roster and send a guy down, bring up some extra pitchers, vice versa. If you need to some extra sticks in the lineup and you've got a, a few off days thrown in where you're not going to be burning up your pitching staff. So they've been really good at that. They've used so many different roster players that they've been able to manipulate over the years. And you take all of that into consideration and the fact that uh, he's the winningest manager in Brewers history. I think uh, you got to look at that and go, yeah, that's uh, that's 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 solid. Bill, you were spot on. Last year they used 60. It was a club record. Yeah, it was. uh, That's what I thought. I thought they used close to 60. The MOB record is 67, which I assume will be broken sooner rather than later. Yeah, with the way, you know, general managers, especially the way uh, general managers like to get, um, um, they, they have now all bought in very similarly to the way David Stearns likes to do things in the sense that they like to get players with options. That's the way, I mean, they like utility players, they like players that give you a, a better than average average, and they like players with options. Every, every general manager is looking for that now. It's like that's the blueprint to uh, sustain success is to get players with options, and as they start to come of age, so to speak, if they're good, sign them. If they're not, deal them. Get players back with options, and that way you can deal off the player that's going to cost you a lot of money and give you uncertainty in the future as opposed to the players that do have options. So if they're not panning out, you can move them. You can send them back down. You can put them in the minors. You can you can move them off the roster. You can trade them away because they still have options. They become valuable pieces of commodity to other general managers. I, I, I agree with that. That's That might have been like the Theo Epstein blueprint originally when they rebuilt the Cubs. Was because remember they manipulated Schwarber for a while, keeping Schwarber into the minors, and then when he came up, and then they had options to move him around. But he had such success early on that they didn't. But they liked it. Theo Epstein liked to have that ability to move guys around and manipulate that roster and and to do it. But then again, they also had some really quality depth, and they uh, that's how they kind of rebuilt that team and ultimately went on to win a World Series. They haven't been back since, but they were ultimately able to go on and uh, win a World Series. So. Maybe, just maybe, the Brewers uh, are going to be able to do that before sooner rather than later. And here's the other thing, and I, this this was asked to me. Um, this was asked to me by uh, Race. Um, Race said, uh, "Do you think that if the Brewers win the World Series, they'll have to blow it up because the price tag will be too high for this team after the fact?" You hope not. What you'd like to think is that let's just say they win it this year, that then you begin to go into contract years with Hayter, with Burns, with uh, Woodruff, you know, with Peralta, with these guys, and then be able to extend them out, give them more money up front, extend them out for less money in the back end. So if the careers don't go well, great. You know, you're, you're not tied to them into the $20, $30, $40 million range. But if they do go well, you get them at kind of a bargain. And that's kind of what you're looking for. So, I, I you know, you always take a chance anytime you pay a player but is it something that's mandatory that if the Brewers won a World Series that you just because of the the fact that they won it and now you got to pay these guys that you got to bust it up? I don't think you got to bust it up. I think you got to do things within reason. But I don't think it's 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 like the fear is that just get us a World Series and then you can break it all up and it can all just you know go by the wayside. I, I'm not a big believer in that. I get that there's a, a soft cap. I get, you know, just for the fact that this market has a budget. It has to stay within. I understand that. But I'm not of the belief that you have to bust it up 
if indeed you have success, I, that, that, you know, that's a, that's a very defeatist way of looking at things. And, and let, let's just say then that you do go for it and you don't win it. Do you also have to sit up? Because then all you're doing is telling everybody, we're going to make one run, and if we don't get it, so be it, and then go back to uh, anonymity and toiling away for years and years and years and years uh, of being bad just to be able to then reclimb the mountain all over again. And I don't believe in that either. 877-867-1670, If you want to shy, uh, chime in, by all means, go ahead and do so. But I'm not a big believer in that either. Again, 877-867-1670. Give us a shout. Uh, again, broadcasting live here in uh, in Rice Lake. Having a great time. Great time. Enjoying ourselves today. And uh, the weather is uh, cleared up. The wind is still blowing, but the skies are parting. And it's all for an incredibly, incredibly worthy, worthy cause. It's the 2022 Rice Lake Celebrity Charity Golf Classic taking place here today at Turtleback. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. We are glad you're with us. Bill Michael Show, we are live. We're here. Beautiful Rice Lake, Wisconsin. Brought to you by our friends at uh, Sloppy Joe's and Smoke on the Water. I'm going to stop over there this weekend, as a matter of fact. I'm going to be out in the Oconomowoc area in Lake Country and stop in on uh, at Smoke on the Water, say hi to Joe and Ellen. Might do that uh, late on Saturday or maybe even out cruising around on Sunday. But uh, they just opened up that downstairs in that place right there on Okachi Lake. Beautiful. Oh, my God, they did a fantastic job. But uh, they've got a terrific fish fry coming up tomorrow night, both places, as a matter of fact. And if you're going somewhere for breakfast on Sunday morning, Sloppy Joe's in Hubertus on Hubertus is just awesome, simply awesome. Say hi to Joe and Ellen, big supporters of the motorcycle ride as well. Always have been, always will be. Thanks to them for being a part of it. And uh, that is our friends from Sloppy Joe's and Smoke on the Water as well. Uh, banter going back and forth over on uh, the, uh, the Bud Light live stream. Uh, asking when I was talking with Wayne Larrabee about uh, Jordan Love, and when you talk, start to talk about the draft choices and such, uh, the worst draft choice in Packer history. And I think the first thing that comes to mind is obviously Tony Mandrich, especially when you've got a guy like Barry Sanders that is sitting there and other players that could have been great, and uh, Tony was the guy that they invested in. We understand that. I don't think Jordan Love is the worst pick um, because you don't know what you have in him. You don't know how good and or bad he is. But I'll say this. He can still play. Tony Mandrich, we know what he was the product of and what ultimately became of him. But uh, Jordan Love still has, at some t point, some type of value. I, I don't know what that is. And his story is yet to be written. Uh, so I can't sit here today and say, it was the worst pick. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, 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 you know, Michael says Love was not the worst pick then Mandrich, oh, my God, really, give the guy a chance. Um, I, this is probably his chance this year, Michael, to be honest. Um, you know, he's got to show something. For what we've seen, uh, and, and for those that want to defend that pick and defend Jordan Love, I get it because you really haven't seen much. But during the opportunities he has been given, you haven't seen a whole lot. 
there's nothing there to make you believe that it's above average at best. So I'm not saying it's a good pick. I'm not saying it's a bad pick. Uh, I'm saying it was the wrong pick at the wrong time. I That's the best way I can put it. Um, when you had the, the Hall of Famer sitting there in your in your stable and you went in a different direction, um, when you were... <laughs> You were a game away from possibly getting to a Super Bowl. Yeah, that was the the wrong pick at the wrong time, you know. So, you know, granted, Rodgers did not have a terrific year, and he did look a little more human, but uh, that would that's the first time in a long time that we ever saw, if, if at all, we saw that out of Aaron Rodgers. So uh, other than the years that he had gotten banged up and broken a collarbone. So, no, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying it's a good pick or a bad pick. It was just the wrong pick at the wrong time. Might be the best way to describe it. Is is he going to have um, a a great career? He has value, as Michael put it, as a backup in case Rodgers gets injured. Okay, but what level of value? You know, what level of value? That's why this off season, this preseason, uh, becomes so epic for him. Because they have to eventually make a decision. And, you know, you don't need to look further than the comments that do and do not come out of the locker room. Look at what Devontae Adams had to say, where he said, hey, no offense to Jordan, I really like him, he's a good dude. But, in other words, you know, hey, look, when he takes over for Aaron, I'm not sticking around. I'm not going to get a gold jacket hanging out with his cat. Ain't happening. He doesn't have it. Devontae saw it. Uh, You know, they have not spoken glowingly about Jordan saying, oh, my God, you know, this guy, this guy's got it. You know, we're in really good shape. Should anything ever happen to Aaron? No, I mean, none of that. You don't hear that. You heard that when Aaron was backing up uh, Brett. You did hear that. That, you know, hey, you never want anything to happen to Brett. But, boy, they're really, really confident in what what uh, what Aaron Rodgers brought to the table at the time. You don't hear a lot of that. You just say, it's a learning process. Uh, you know, he's working on things. He's taking stripes. He's got his mojo back. Oh, okay. You know, I'm not going to worry about that. Uh, ESPN Steve says, what about uh, Jamal Reynolds, Justin Harrell, Freddie Vincent? Uh, Freddie Vincent was, was a bad choice. Freddie Vincent, he had pins in his feet. He had just had a broken foot mended and had pins put in it when they drafted him. For a guy that uses speed for his uh for his vocation uh to then draft him yeah that wasn't uh, the best and Justin Harrell was you know I, that I never ever ever did ever have a chance to sit down and ask Ted Thompson why what what was something so attractive that a guy that nobody projected to be in the first round had to be a first round pick for the Green Bay Packers didn't have the tenacity didn't seem to I, and again I don't question guys heart but just didn't have that that something. You know, when you, you draft a guy first with a first-round pick, that guy's got to be a football player. You can talk about the analytics and the athletics and the strength and conditioning and their, their footwork, all that. That's fine. That's fine, but never understood the Justin Harrell pick because he was just a big, soft teddy bear. He's a nice guy, but everybody in that locker room knew it. The minute he walked through the door, they knew it. Never understood that pick. Never understood that pick. Um, 
he, Michael says everybody's comparing him to Aaron and Brett. Uh, he ain't them. Those are Hall of Fame once in a generational talent. Uh, how many quarterbacks in the league are there that are better than Aaron and Brett? Not many. How many better than Jordan Love? I can think of a bunch. <laughs> Let's be honest. You can start going through the list of all the quarterbacks that are in the National Football League that right now you would consider to be better in many different circumstances. Josh Allen, you'd probably take Tua over him. Uh, Mac Jones, you'd probably take over him. Lamar Jackson, uh, to, uh, Joe Burrow. Um, Hal Baker Mayfield's better than he is. Um, you know, go, go through that. Go, you, you know, I'm trying to think of a few others. Certainly uh, some of the more veteran guys that are already in there, Russell Wilson and company. you got Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, Justin Herbert. Um, just trying to go through the NFC East. Uh, certainly Dak Prescott. Um, Jalen Hurts. Um, I, I'd take Justin Fields over Jordan Love. I'd take Goff over Jordan Love. Um, yeah, just go through that list, man. Jameis Winston. And I can't believe I'm saying that. So there, there's a lot of guys in the league right now that I take over Jordan Love. I just went through about every, almost every starting quarterback short of maybe a handful in the National Football League. I take them all over Jordan Love. Jordan Love hasn't done anything at all. You can't tell me one thing that he's done to impress you. Not one. Because he hasn't. Looked bad in the game against Kansas City. Knew he was going to get playing time in a game against Detroit. Still looked bad there. This is the year he makes the jump. This is the year he comes back in with the swagger, the mojo, all that kind of stuff. This is the year he makes the jump. This is what you expect. So if he's going to make a jump, if he's going to have more knowledge, if he's going to have more feel, if he's going to have more command, this is the year that you look for. It's just simple as that. So am I writing him off? No. But then again, my expectations aren't really high. And uh, you can't be disappointed if you don't have much expectation. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. 877-867-1670. If you want to give us a shout, do so. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at J&L Tire Service. They're right there uh, in Johnson Creek off of 94. Get a hold of Lyle and again, they do a lot of philanthropic work. They're really good people. Go to jnltire.com. Whether it's brakes, oil changes, tires, you name it. Or if you're a soccer mom or an over-the-road driver, they do tractor-trailer repairs as well. That is jnltire.com. J&L Tire Service, Johnson Creek and Watertown. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back to the program, the Bill Michael Show. We are live. We're in Rice Lake. The 2022 Rice Lake Celebrity Charity Golf Classic is underway. Joining us here, uh, great time with him last night. Al Newman, Twins infielder, won uh, the World Series in '87, '91. Good storyteller last night as well. How you doing? Uh, doing great. Anytime you're on the golf course, it's a good time. Yeah, tell me about it. Yes. What do you remember the days? Uh, because that goes back to when the Brewers were in the, the American League. W- were they your rival? Who was your rival? They definitely were a rival. Yeah. Um, every time we went to, to Milwaukee at uh, the county stadium there, oh. there was twins Brewer yeah. fans. You know, just like when you go to KC, it was the right. same way. Yeah, it, well, my apologies. You had to play in County Stadium. I loved County Stadium as a fan to view it. But the new is beautiful. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's yes. stunning. I completely agree. But, but to go into County Stadium, the, 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 the facilities were a little antiquated. Yes, they were. You know, even back in the 80s, yes. they were a little antiquated. Yeah, you know, the new, the new uh, uh, stadium, I wish 
that they would have done that in Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, for the Twins. There's no way we should not have a roof covering our field. Right. Uh, but they reap the benefits now. Everybody wanted outdoor baseball, but April and May, you don't really yeah. want outdoor baseball. Well, you got to a roof for the football team. Sure. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Vikings, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. So let me ask you, because last night you told this incredible story. It was so incredibly intriguing, and I remember the days – uh, of Nolan Ryan and the intimidation factor that he had and the fight at, uh, on pitcher's mound when it was him and Ventura and those guys went at it from years gone by. But as a rookie, you got a chance to face him as a rookie. And uh, tell that story because it was fascinating. We had well, about five you minutes. Know, Nolan had this ritual. You know, they said, here are your Texas Rangers, and everybody would walk out, and Nolan would be the last one to cross the field. Mm-hmm. And he'd always stop at the foul lines, and he'd kind of kick the grass to make sure – whether it was grass or turf, it was yeah. just one of his things, but he was always staring at the undeck hitter. Like a bull getting ready to charge. Yes, yeah. exactly. And then he'd go to the third baseline and do the same thing. So I turned and I asked Tim Raines. I said, Tim, what's he doing? And he goes, he's telling you right now there is no bunning. I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, he doesn't like it. I go, well, I don't like to strike out either. Right. You know, so I bunted the first pitch and. The second pitch, I reaped the benefits of bunting the first pitch. <laughs> he drilled me in my thigh, you know. But that was a lesson learned as a rookie. Yeah. I like the fact that you said it was the best bunt I ever laid down yes. in my life yes. until it, it rolled foul. <laughs> <laughs> until it went foul. And, you know, you know how – I hope I can say this. Your butt cheeks tighten up. Yes, they do. As soon as it, the umpire went foul – my butt cheeks tightened up because I knew there was some consequences yeah. for what I did. You knew exactly where that's where the next pitch was going. Yes, sir. And I <laughs> screamed before it hit me. Yeah. <laughs> Most definitely. So the playing days, winning a World Series, starting off because you I forgot you started in Montreal. Yes, great players there. Yeah. Um, you know, Gary Carter, Dawson, Reigns, Crow Marty, all those guys were there, and they took care of me as a rookie. Uh, Montreal, I tell people, if you never go to Paris, France, Go to Montreal. Mm-hmm. It's it's a beautiful city. So we were sitting here talking a little bit about because I, I asked you if you played with Kirby Puckett because I, I thought you did, and Kirby was such a great guy. We were talking about guys cut from that cloth. We were talking about you, know, you look at a guy like Reigns, Kirby Puckett, Tony Gwynn, Pete Rose. They were all that that I'm going to do anything and everything I can to be successful in this game. And they may not have had all the talent in the world, but they made it the most of what they had. Talk a little bit about playing with Kirby Puckett. Uh, playing with Kirby. After leaving Montreal with those guys you mentioned, the Hall of Famers, you know, Dawson and Reigns, coming here, I knew Kirby from the minor leagues. And it seemed like every game we played against the Twins, he would lead off either home run, double, triple. Mm-hmm. And he just sweated profusely. So when I got <laughs> traded in 1987 to the Minnesota Twins, I knew I knew one guy. Went to the bookstore. Bought a magazine, saw Herbeck. You know, I saw the names, didn't know, the, couldn't even tell you what they looked like. Mm-hmm. Got to spring training that year, and it was just magical. Tom Kelly, first year, youngest manager in the big leagues at 35 or 36 at the time. Andy McPhail, youngest GM, I think he was 31. Mm-hmm. Tom Kelly just set the table. He says, hey, boys, put your oars in the water, and we're all going to row the boat together. And it turned out to be a magical year. Yeah. What was it like playing in that dome? I loved it. It was, a, it it was, was a, a vast expanse. Yes, it was. But it was our, you know, some people say it was a dump. It was our dump. Right. And we knew him. We he had ain't heavy. He's my brother. Yes. Yes. For sure. And there were certain <laughs> players in the league, like Dave Henderson, they would take three days off. They couldn't play because they couldn't see the ball on the roof. Right. So it was definitely an advantage for our ball club. 
Um, the fans were tremendous. They were loud. Uh, home field advantage. Uh, obviously, in, in 87, I think we won like almost 52 games at home, I think. Yeah. That year, we were terrible on the road. Really? Terrible. Yeah. Just because you had such a home field advantage and it was such a different atmosphere. And Tom Kelly also told those main guys, the Kirby's, the Herbag, Guy, Eddie, Puckett, Gladden, you will never get a day off at home. Your yeah. days off will be on the road. Yeah. Talking with Al Newman, uh, the Minnesota Twins, won it back in 87 and 91. Before I let you go, so first and foremost, I know you're out on the golf course. How's the golf game? Well, right now, I'm, I am I just splashed in the water over here <laughs> on number nine. I'm hoping on, on number 10 I can keep it straight. <laughs> okay. So but are you, where are you guys at right now? You guys uh, under? No, we're even. Even? Okay. Even. Well, at least you're you're right in the middle. We're we're afloat yeah. right now. <laughs> we're, we're playing golf. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Al, it's great to see you, man. I Thank know you, you. got to run. Go ahead Thank and take you. off. Appreciate it, buddy. There you go, Al Newman, uh, Minnesota Twins, and uh, won the World Series back in '87 and '91. Uh, worked a long time with that uh, Twins organization as well, and uh, just a great uh, great stories and great to get a chance to talk to him. So that's kind of the stuff that we were getting last night. He he just told that story and he told it with such um, such. Uh, passion and verve last night we got kind of the abridged cliff notes version of it but such passion and verve and uh, it just uh so it's such a cool story to listen to about how he gets to drop down the bunt and he was just so excited and then it rolled foul and as he's walking back to the plate he looks over and there's tim Raines in the on deck circle dropping his head and shaking it like oh oh son oh you you poor man it's it's over and uh, sure enough he <laughs> He said last night, he said, just like he said here, he said, as Nolan Ryan was starting his windup, he started to scream because he knew what was coming. And that was a 90-plus mile-an-hour fastball that was either going to find him right in the square crack of his ass or in the middle of his back. But uh, but it was it was hilarious. It was it was so, so much fun to listen to last night. We just had some of those. So, uh, But we'll be joined throughout the day as guys uh, continue to make the turn and stop off here at the uh, the 19th hole and uh, stop into the table and say hello and get a chance to chat. So great to chat with Al Newman, uh, former Twins infielder from 87 and 91, winning World Series with the Minnesota Twins. And in envious, envious of American Family Field. We was talking about that last night, too, him and Kenny Sanders, uh, former Brewers pitcher, uh, who I see coming off of nine right now. Um, him and him and Kenny were talking about uh, Miller Park, American Family Field, and the fact that they should have built it that way. They should have built it that way in Minnesota. They wanted outdoor baseball, but they didn't want to put a retractable dome on it, didn't want to pay the extra money. And uh, early on and late in the season, it's just god-awful. And if you're not in uh, the running, we'll say, then the attendance is just just pitiful because nobody wants to go sit in that to watch baseball. Uh, we got two hours down. we got two hours yet to go. It is the 2022 Rice Lake Celebrity Charity Golf Classic. We are broadcasting live this portion of the program, brought to you by our friends over there at Quick Trip. In just a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks from Sunday, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be giving away the 2022 Chevy Camaro SS, given away by Quick Trip. you still got another week to get yourself registered. All you do is stop in, use your Quick Rewards card, type in your number, hit enter. You are good to go, and the more entries you get because uh, the more times you use that card and you buy Pepsi products and Jack Link products, who knows? Maybe you could join us a couple of weeks from Sunday and uh, be one of the finalists to actually win that beautiful vehicle. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up right after this. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe. 